This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. It is Pastor CG here. I'm really excited to kick off this new series called Culture Conversations. So you guys know we do this every year. We talk about the things that are important um, to the church, um, what's happening in our culture, and how these two things intersect. How does our faith intersect with culture? Um, So we're going to talk a little bit about this over the next few weeks, and I'm really honored to kick off this series. Um, Before we jump in, I want you guys to turn to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17, um, but I'm going to open us up in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this church. I thank you, God, for this opportunity to delve deeper into your word. I pray, God, that as we study today, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, that our eyes would be open to the truth, that you would reveal Jesus to us in the preaching and teaching of the word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So... Um, I hope you guys have turned over to Acts chapter 17. Um, so before we jump into um, the the crux of what I want to talk about today, um, I want to briefly touch on the relevancy of the Bible and scripture. And I know that we live in a time where um, the Bible, sometimes people will make it seem like it was written in a different time for a different people, uh, for a different society. But um, I want to talk about the lasting relevancy of the Bible, of the Word of God. Um, it's truth and it stands the test of time. Um, and I also want to talk about some of the similarities that you're going to see um, in the New Testament church and in today's culture. That when these letters were written to the church, when Paul wrote these letters to the church, there were some things happening in society that were very similar to what we're dealing with today. It's not so far-fetched to believe that um, the Bible, the letters that were written then are applicable to us today. So I want to briefly touch on that um, before we get into some of the the meat and the heart of what I want to share today. Um, But Acts 17. Um, So just to provide a little context here, I'm going to turn to it as well. I meant to bring my Bible, (laughs) but I'm going to have to rely on my computer this morning. But Acts 17, um, Paul and Silas are traveling and Paul gets to Athens. So Athens um, was a pretty big city at the time. Um, And the key verse in this chapter that I want to focus on um, is verse 21. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear something new or to hear some new thing. And... um, Paul comes to Athens. It says the beginning of the scripture, um, I think actually about midway through verse 16, it says that he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. He saw that the city, another version says, he saw that the city was given over to idols. Um, And he went to the synagogue and started to reason with them. So Athens was really known as this place of philosophy, this place of, of, of talking about different ideas, discussions, all of those things. And um, Paul is in this city now, and um, he encounters this. So he starts to talk in the synagogue. He starts to reason 
with the Jews and the Gentiles. And he starts to speak in the public square. And he has a debate with some of the philosophers. And this is where we get the scripture where we hear about Paul and his preaching on Mars Hill. This is Mars Hill. So what they do is they take him to the high council of the city, which is Mars Hill, essentially. It's where this, why is this significant? This was known as a spot where philosophy, religion, and law were discussed. If you want to take it back to the Greek mythology behind it, this is where the gods discussed um, all of these things, religion, philosophy, and law. This is the courts, essentially. Um, and this is where Paul preaches about Jesus. He identifies, this scripture is where it talks about how he identifies the unknown God. He says he's walking through the city and he sees, you have a shrine here to an unknown God. And Paul is like, let me tell you something. This unknown God that you don't know about, I know he, who he is and his name is Jesus. And today, like, how do we, how do we equate this to, to today? So he's here reasoning and talking to people, discussing different ideas, philosophies, and he's discussing Jesus. He's saying, this is the truth. This is the way. And today, in today's society, today's culture, what platform would we be using to do something similar to that? Now we have social media. We have all these things. This is social media. You get to say what you want. You can get to um, put your opinions out there without thought to anything else. People hash out thoughts, opinions, and views, regardless of truth. It's just opinions. I'm going to tell you what I want to tell you, and I can do it from behind my phone. That's the platform. He was given a public platform. We have a very public platform. Paul used his public platform for the gospel. He was like, let me tell you the truth. You're discussing all of these things, but let me bring some clarity for you here. What do you use your public platform for? What are you using your social media accounts for? And I'm not talking about, oh, everything we have to post has to be um, a scripture. Everything we talk about has to be Jesus. But I want to challenge you. On your public platform where people see you, they think they know you, they think they understand you, what are you using that for? Do people know about Jesus as a result of that? Because listen, don't get it twisted. We're all here for one very significant purpose, and that is to make Jesus known. So how are you using the platform that God has given you to share Jesus? He used his platform. He used that platform, the very public platform that was used for all of these things to challenge the prevailing way of thinking. We are not mainstream in our way of thinking. We are singular in our way of thinking. And I'm not talking about we all have a singular view. We all have one way of, of interpreting things, one way of seeing things. No, I'm not talking about that because personal experience, environment, all of those things play a part in how you see the world. But as believers, we have one goal in mind is to make Jesus known, to live a life that points people to Jesus. So listen, that was Old Testament. Was Mars Hill? Today it's social media. Jump down to Acts 19. If you turn over to Acts 19, um, this is Paul is traveling now. So he's going through different cities, preaching the gospel, encouraging the local church. And now he finds himself in Ephesus. So let's talk about Ephesus for a little bit here. Um, there's so much to talk about, and I know I have to trim it down here. But Ephesus 
that city was a multi-ethnic center of trade, commerce, and culture. It was one of the top three cities in the, of the time um, in terms of population. It was a highly sought after city to live in because of its location on the water and because of its home to the goddess Diana. Um, the temple of Artemis, or Diana, it's Diana or Artemis, depending on, on who you're talking to, it was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. The temple that was created in honor of her was one of the seven wonders of the, of the ancient world. People would travel from all over to see it. Ephesus was a bustling metropolis, a bustling city with anything you could ever want. Trade, businesses, and livelihood were built around um, the goddess Diana. It was built around that philosophy, around that religion, around that belief system. And when you think about it today, um, when you think about Ephesus, don't think about some old like um, city where it's dusty and and there wasn't a lot of forward thinking. Like you don't don't think Bible times donkeys and stuff on the road. This was actually the modern society of that time. That's where the thinkers were. Creativity was beauty. Um, um, people um, were pursuing education. Like there was so much happening in Ephesus. So when Paul is writing the letters to the churches in Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, he's challenging the culture of the time. So when we think about this today, let's talk about today now. How is this relevant to today? Think about um, LA. LA isn't even close to being one of the, the largest cities in the world. But if we look at the US, just the United States, it's second only to New York. Think about the similarities to, from LA to Ephesus. It's a port city. Um, we're the epicenter of entertainment. Uh, we have the beauty of the beaches, the mountains, the desert. Um, we're known for being innovative, creative, a place of possibility, very similar to Ephesus. So when Paul is writing these things to the churches, he's actually challenging the culture of the time. The culture of that time mirrors the culture of this time today. The letters that you wrote are still very relevant. There is so much still to be found in the scripture and, and, and thinking about how it applies to our lives today. And we're going to dive a little deeper into some of what that looks like. So one of the culture conversations I want to tackle today is truth. Um, culture says, today's culture says that truth is relative, but God says that the truth is Jesus. Um, one of the things that Paul was talking about in one of his letters, one of the, the, the prevailing um, thoughts of the time was that there were multiple ways to believe, that you could believe whatever you wanted to believe. Your God was, was good. Your God was good. Your God was good. Your God was good. What made Christians of the time stand apart um, was that they believed that there was only one God. Ephesians 4, listen to this. This is Paul talking to the church. Ephesians 4, um, verse 4. It says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. He's talking to a community, a church community, Christians. He's like, listen, there's one God. 
Let's not get confused, people. You're living in a society and a culture that's telling you there's multiple gods. You can believe whatever you want to believe. In fact, they're trying to convince you that there are other gods. and Your God isn't the only one. And Paul is like, no, let me remind you that there is one body, one spirit, one God and father of all. He's like, let's be clear. Today, it's the very same thing. We live in a society, we live in a culture that is saying you can believe whatever you want to believe. And you know what? You can. But as Christians, as believers, there is one God, one Jesus, one Holy Spirit. There is one way to heaven. There, there is not this multiple choice situation happening here. As a Christian, this is what we believe. We live in a culture dominated by the plurality of truth. Culture says the truth is relative. Culture says that, that um, you can believe whatever you want to believe, and that will be true. Whatever you want to believe, that is, that is your truth. It says that you need to live your truth, and that's fine. Listen, you can live your truth, but our truth as Christians, as Christ followers, as believers, our truth is God's truth. And if our truth does not align with his, then it's not that God that has to change. It's us. It's us. We have to change to align ourselves with his truth. So I guess the question is, how do you find truth? And this is for everybody. How do you find truth if you don't believe in absolute truth? What that leads to is constantly seeking, constantly labeling, constantly put, oh, today this is my truth, but tomorrow my truth will change. Without any absolutes, it doesn't give us a meter. It doesn't give us a guide. There's no outline for us to live our lives in. There's no, there's no standard to live our lives by. Listen, listen to this. And when we, and when we, um, we put our trust in our own ability to identify and live by a truth, to create truth for ourselves, we find that there is no fulfillment in that. You will always look to what is next. What is, what's my next truth? What will be my truth five years from now? What will be my truth 10 years from now? But the beautiful thing about the gospel, the beautiful thing about God's way, the beautiful thing about the truth who is Jesus is that he doesn't change. There is no change in Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So get this, the faulty reasoning and putting tr trust in ourselves to identify truth is this. Jeremiah chapter 17, I'm not going to read the whole passage of scripture, but it's Jeremiah 17, 5 through 10. I'm just going to read verse 9. It says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. Another version says it's deceitfully wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts. This is God talking now and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. So listen, when we're talking about God, who is truth, Jesus was truth manifest in the flesh. When we're talking about God, who is truth. He can't lie. The Bible says that God cannot lie. So he is truth. So he is the standard of truth. His word is the standard of truth. He is absolute truth. It makes a very clear distinction here. It means that we will find diverging and multiple ways of believing what truth is in this world. 
But for us, there's a very clear standard. And what we need to do as Christ followers, we have to be able to go back to what the truth is and where we can find the truth. And I'm gonna say this, we'll look for truth on Google, TikTok, Insta. We'll look on our fav favorite social, social media commentators to find out what they're saying about this, what are people saying about this, all the things. We'll look at all the things. We invite opinion into every area of our lives, but we cannot identify the voice of God. That's why the scripture says, seek me first. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Seek God first and his kingdom and all these things will be added to you, will be given to you. Listen, when you seek him first, you will find what you need. And it doesn't mean that we don't use all of these things that are at our disposal. It doesn't mean that we don't take advantage of the tools we've been given in this time to help us grow, to help us develop. But our first stop for finding truth should always be seeking God first. Culture says that truth is relative. God says that the truth is Jesus. Listen. I want to challenge you guys today. Answer this question. How do you not only understand truth, but live it? How do you live it authentically without compromise? And I'm going to read this scripture. We are all very familiar with this passage of scripture. It's John 14, verse 1 through 6. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. He's saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. I'm going to jump down to verse 3. When everything is ready, I will come in and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way to where I'm going. This is Thomas. No, we don't know, Lord. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? Thomas is like, how can we know? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. How do you know the way? it comes from Jesus. How do you know what decisions to make? It comes from Jesus. It can only be found in Jesus first and foremost. And then everywhere else where you're getting information, getting thoughts, getting opinions, all of these things, you can filter those, but filter it first through what you hear from the Holy Spirit. Let that be your first and foremost and primary truth first. Primary first and then allow all those other things to filter through that truth. Okay, so we talked about a couple things so far. Um, we talked about culture and how the culture of the time in the New Testament church is very similar to our culture today. We talked about Ephesus, we talked about Mars Hill, but we also talked about our first point was um, that culture will say that truth is relative, but God says that the truth is Jesus and that's where you'll find the truth. Um, and second point today is that culture says to be self-consumed, but God says, lay down your life. <laughs> that one's a big one. So listen, let's dive in here. So hear my heart on this. Taking care of yourself is not a bad thing. Please take care of yourself. Do the things you enjoy. Make time for the things that are important to you. This is not taking away from that. But this is talking about a heart condition. The only time taking care of yourself would be a problem 
is when your self-care leads you to find relief, rest, and peace outside of Jesus only. When your first pursuit, we kind of talked about this in the last um, in the last segment here, um, but when you don't go to Jesus first and you find relief and all of those other things, um, you seek those things first, you will find that um, you will never have a sense of fulfillment. God wants us to enjoy things. He wants us to remember, though, in the middle of all of those things that we get to enjoy in this world, that he is God. He is first. He is the only God. And no other God will you serve. The danger of seeking these things first is that they can become idols in your life. They can become those things that detract or deter you from from seeking his face first, his wisdom, his heart for a situation. So as the world is saying self-care, take care of yourself, um, make sure that you're okay before you can take care of others. Trust me, I understand that. I have three children. Um, I have um, a husband. I, My husband and I pastor the church. We have a lot of stuff going on. Um, <laughs> a lot of stuff going on. And I understand the value of self-care. Sometimes I feel like I have to fight for it to just get some time to just relax and to get my mind together. Um, but I have found that even when I can't find those moments, even when I can't find those, those areas, those times that I need, um, I find that I can be sustained from the presence of God that he gives me an influx of energy, an influx of peace, an influx of, of grace to be able to do what he's called me to do to the best of my ability. Everything we need can be found in Jesus. Listen, don't be fooled, don't be deceived into thinking that God can't understand what you're feeling, that he, he doesn't know what you need in a moment. The world will tell you, culture will tell you, that you can find everything you need. Everything you need is at your fingertips. Just order it on Amazon. You'll get it same day. Um, you need a fix. You need a sugar fix. Let's just go through the drive-thru over here. But knowing that that's not necessarily what you actually need. <laughs> you need some rest. You're like, oh, I'm just going to lay back and lounge and just watch TV. Listen, I do these things. I know what it's all about. But when you find a fullness, like when you find that these things are now your number one go-to, when you find that when you're feeling tired and you want to be rejuvenated, you you seek things that, um, that's it, you seek things, not the person, not the person who can actually fulfill all of your heart's desires, not the person who can actually meet your every need. You go to the things that um, provide temporary fulfillment. It might satisfy you in the moment, but we're not here. We, we're spirit beings. We're not here for temporary means. We are thinking eternally. So we want to have an eternal mindset in all we do and how we approach life. So listen, when we're talking about um, being self-consumed, my first thought, my first thought is, is not only, yes, Lord, am I living for you? Is my life pleasing to you? But how is my life affecting others? How am I being of use to the people in my life? How am I serving? How am I loving? Do people know who Jesus is as a result of how I'm taking care of myself and how I'm living for the Lord? Your first stop should always be God, should always be Jesus, should always be the presence of God.
And when you don't seek him first, like I said, these other things can become idols. Culture says be self-consumed. Look out for yourself first. Look out for your own needs. Take care of yourself. Don't worry about anybody else. You're taking care of your good. God says, lay down your life. Listen, <laughs> lay down your life. No greater love. Listen, I'm going to read that scripture right now. This is in John 15, 13. Turn there with me. John 15, 13. John 15, 13. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's a big deal. That's a really big deal when we talk about a culture that is so self-consumed. When we talk about a culture that is saying, um, don't worry about everybody else. Don't worry about what they think. Don't worry about what they say. Don't worry about, about, um, about um, carrying anyone, anybody else's burdens. That is in direct contradiction to what the Bible says. That is direct contradiction to what the Bible says. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Everything you need can be found in God. Everything. After you've started with him, then look to all of those other things. You like to work out? That's great. Get those endorphins flowing. See God and then go work out. Or see God while you're working out. You like nature? Go out in nature. Talk to the Lord while you're out there. Listen, you want to grow? You want a stronger marriage? You, wanna, you want better relationships? There's so many books out there. But who has the wisdom and understanding to actually help you navigate through all of that? God knows all. He sees all. He is all. Find that wisdom in him. <laughs> Lay down your life for your friend. I, I don't know how to delve um, too deeply into that because um, that can take on so many different forms depending on your relationships, depending on where you are in life. Um, sometimes for me, laying down my life for a friend maybe in the moment, taking that moment of that moment of quiet where I'm just like, let me just sit down and have quiet. I'll send the kids to their room and I'm like, listen, I need quiet, <laughs> peace and quiet. And then the Lord drops somebody into my heart. It's like, Lord, I don't want to get on the phone right now. I really don't want to talk to anybody right now. And God, there's this, just this nudging that won't go away. And it's just like, okay, <laughs> let me reach out and see. And, and I can't tell you how many times in those moments when I've sought something for myself and God says, let me take you outside of yourself for a minute and let me help you focus on someone else who has a need, that I come out of that with a renewed sense of purpose, with, a, with that sense of, I did something good today for somebody. I was led by the spirit today for somebody. There is nothing like that. 
where you can see the actual fruit of your obedience in somebody else's life. There's a joy that you can get from that that you can't get from anything else. And I want to encourage you today, when culture says to be self-consumed and to be all about yourself, all about your needs, all about what I want, remember that we serve a God that says there's no greater love there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for a friend. Bible says to carry one another's burdens. It says to love your neighbor as yourself. So there's your indicator. Yes, take care of yourself. But as much as you love yourself, you got to love your neighbor as well. Doesn't stop with you. Doesn't stop with you. It ends with others. We're here to be of service to others. We're here to point people to Jesus. So don't become so self-consumed. Don't become so all about you that you begin to neglect and you begin to get blind spots to the needs of others. It's a scary place to be because then you put yourself in this place that is above talking to, above um, needing others and being of service to others and it's isolating and um, it takes you outside of the will of God. So I want to encourage you guys today. Culture says be self-consumed, but God is saying lay down your life for your neighbor. Okay, guys, I want to close with this. Um, this is the third and final point. Um, we talked about truth. We talked about um, being self-consumed. Uh, and laying down your life for others. And I want to close with this. Um, culture says that people are dispensable, but God says that people are worth dying for. So much so that he sent his only son to die for the world. So look at this. We're going to read this. This is Matthew chapter 18. Turn over to Matthew chapter 18 with me, verse 15. Um, this whole section of scripture here, it's 15 through 20, just these five verses. It's talking about dealing with a sinning brother. So we're living in this world. You know what? We know that people are going to hurt us. People are going to cause us pain. Um, we know that um, we're going to experience hardship in relationships. Um, we live in a world where the culture says judge now, punish now, deal with people now. Um, let them have their punishment now. They call it accountability, and I'm all for accountability. I'm all for people um, having to take responsibility for their actions. But really, as a believer, our main concern is that there's a heart change. So people can say, they can apologize and say what they need to say, and, and um, just to save face. People can do certain things just to save face. It doesn't mean that their hearts are really changed though. And this culture and the society we live in, it is saying there has to be this immediate accountability, this immediate um, um, judgment, immediate punishment for something that a person has said or something a person has done. And like I said, there's nothing wrong with that. But our true concern as a believer, as a Christ follower, should be that people's hearts are changing. Not just, I'm going to do this for you so you feel better. But what does your heart say? What's your heart condition? 
And um, a lot of times we look in this world, we look at relationships, we have relationships in our lives, people who've been friends with us for a long time, and then suddenly they're of no use to us anymore. So I, I don't really, you're not helping me in my life. So I have no need for you anymore. You're not, you're not actually positively contributing to my life. So um, I'm done with you for now. And, and that's so contrary <laughs> to God's heart because people are not dispensable. And I'm not talking about unhealthy, unhealthy, toxic relationships where um, those can be very clearly identified in people's lives. And if you have a, tr if you have problems identifying what toxic and unhealthy is, we have no problems having a side conversation with you, helping you determine and identify what those things are. But that's a more telling issue. It means where is your heart like that, um, that these things are not very clear to you. And that's a separate conversation. But I do want to talk about this because um, I feel like we take out the factor of seasons in our relationships with people. And we think that because a relationship is hard, that it's toxic. That because a relationship, um, you have to fight for certain things, that this must not be a good idea. And that was never... Um, God's intention. Maybe that person is working something out in you. Maybe God is trying to do something in you as a result of this relationship. And this is why it's so important to have the heart of God. It's not just so much about how you feel and how you want it and how it should be. And that the world is saying, get rid of this person. They're doing nothing for you. But God is like, this person's in your life. So you can start exemplifying some more of my character. <laughs> Self-control patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Listen, that's the fruit of the spirit talking. This isn't me talking. That's the fruit of the spirit. I want to challenge you today, remind you today that in God's eyes, people are not dispensable. They are worth dying for. So here's the challenge. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. I'm going to read this scripture here. And this is moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained a brother. But if he will not hear, take, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear it from the church, let him be to you like a heathen or a tax collector. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if the two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. And listen, we've heard this verse a lot. We've heard it mentioned with respect to prayer, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there in the midst of them. But listen, in the context of the scripture, Jesus is actually talking about reconciliation. He's talking about forgiveness. He's talking about walking out a process with somebody who has sinned against you. This is what Jesus is saying. I don't even have to get into the scriptures where it talks about praying for your enemy, loving your enemy. Like, I'm not even going to jump into that. I'm just talking about this where it's talking about walking through a process with your sinning brother, someone who's sinned against you, someone who's done you wrong, someone who's treated you sideways. It actually outlines exactly how we're supposed to deal with that person. 
And then it says at the end of scripture, for where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there in the midst of them. It means that when your heart is to, to do the will of God, when you are willing to do it God's way, he says there's something supernatural that takes place in this process. That I am with you, that I will walk with you, that when your heart is my heart, which is for reconciliation, hope, restoration. I am there in the midst. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. There is a supernatural element to doing it God's way. There is a supernatural element that comes into play when we make a decision to honor God and treat people the way he wants us to treat people. The world would tell you, discard and disregard the people who do you wrong. And God is saying, if there's hope for reconciliation and you're willing and this person is willing, then I will be there in your midst. Listen to me, people. It's a hard pill to swallow to be able to walk through reconciliation with somebody who's done you wrong. And I'm not talking about setting up healthy boundaries where sometimes you just got to set up those boundaries. And sometimes boundaries are for a season. Boundaries still allow people room to change and to grow. Walls keep people out. We were never intended to live our lives full of walls. Boundaries are healthy because you can change a boundary line. You can move a boundary line. Walls are permanent. Boundaries are movable and changeable. So I want to encourage you today where the world would say that people are dispensable. God is challenging you. And he's saying, I died for that person. You represent me. How are you showing them that I love them, that I care for them? And every situation is different. But this is why, even as we talked about previously, seeking God first for wisdom is the best way to go. Finding God's heart, finding God's thoughts, getting his way to be your way is the best way to go. I want to encourage you guys today. Let's be about God's business. Let's not be so influenced by culture that we can't hear the voice of God, that we can't see what the spirit of God is saying and what he's speaking, that we can't understand how his word applies to our lives today. Let's be seekers of God and his kingdom and then find all that we need for life, all that we need for in, in every area of our lives at our fingertips. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.